repair wireless microphone seem to have died, so we're going to have to do this. Hopefully, you'll be able to hear us. We can hear you on this end. Okay, so um, this continuing, um, we'll be adding features as we have with all of our other product lines uh, over the course of time. Uh, Mike's uh, back in the room here. Uh, their audio is not, not really doing all that great at all. Gallagher. Bob, tell um, Mike May he can, they can call me on the phone, and then I'll, we can do it that way. It would be better. Okay. If, uh, we can hear you guys fine, so actually if you, if you guys could just hang in there. We're trying to okay, you're get now, so we're trying to get talking. So hopefully yeah. we're good, and we're just using the internal mic. Um, we don't want to distract from the overall presentation by uh, still messing with us. So hopefully we're good. Are we, yeah, we're transmitting? You're, you're okay. Transmitting. Okay. Um, sorry about that to uh, the people online and the people in the room here, but uh, this is part of, part of technology challenges. So in the version one of the CNI app, uh, I'll tell you about the unique features. One of the primary things is that the menus are very straightforward as opposed to some of the mainstream apps where it's really daunting to drill down through many layers of menus. We have a very simple interface. When the app boots up, once you get past the registration screen the first time and the disclaimer, first thing that comes up is the location screen. And that has a dump of all of the where am I stuff. My address, nearby intersection, point of interest, GPS accuracy, and a couple of other things. And that can be refreshed by shaking the phone. And whenever you are, uh, data is being acquired, you'll hear a ding. And as Charles demos a little bit of this in a bit, you'll see that happen. So you have, it comes up. The position is a function of the iPhone's positioning that's uh, GPS-based and also cell phone. So if you're inside a place like this, particularly down on a lower floor or in down below ground, there is no GPS. Uh, but you still can get a bit of a position, and you'll see the accuracy start to talk about 385 feet, 450-foot accuracy, which is better than nothing, but it's obviously not something you navigate with. It's just nice that it has you in the hotel. You can do a search to see what are the nearby restaurants and so forth. So that's the location screen. And the nice thing about these menus I'm talking about is there's just five main buttons on every screen, the same ones. Those are location, route, points of interest. Those are the main three. And then settings, which you only mess with probably the first time if you use the app. And then maps. If somebody wants a visual map, you want to show somebody something. One of the nice things about not having to do all the Those are the five buttons. Nice to see that you can see that 
Then another unique feature is that we have two map sources and three POI sources. The map sources are Navtech and OSM, or OpenStreetMap. And the reason we have OSM is because there are some places where the data is pretty good, and it's also an anticipation of uh, some years ahead as OSM gets better because it's crowd-based. People are going to build up the data. It's going to get better. We wanted to have it in our system so that we could uh, take advantage of that. Uh, can I have a wireless mic? Yep. Okay. Then in the point of interest area, we have three choices, the Navtech points and the OSM points, but we also have Foursquare. And any of you, anybody here use BlindSquare? Yes. Quite a few people. Me too. I think it's a great program. And it links in with Foursquare points of interest. You can add your own points. Uh, in my town, I, I'm a big fan of the, the NextBus system. We have NextBus in Davis for the Unitrans. And not all the bus stops, well, people have only marked bus stops in there. They don't have the full database. So I'll put in a user POI that says bus stop 017. And that's helpful because when I go by that point, if I want to get a next bus indication of when the bus is coming, I can put in 017, and it's going to tell me when that next bus is. And that's a four-score POI that, that can be added. So really nice to have that as a, as a source of, of data for us. You cannot currently merge those points of interest together. By license, we can't. But we're hoping to improve, perhaps, uh, looking up in one database. And if you don't find it in Navtech, you look it up in Foursquare or vice versa. The one downside of Foursquare is that you do get some junk because users are recording the points. And they're not always, they might be relevant to that person at that time. Like if you look at this hotel, it says room 785. Uh, so, well, you know, that's probably was at that room, but not many people are going to be able to take advantage of that unless you're in that room. And even then, the accuracy inside the hotel is poor enough that you can't navigate to rooms um, using Blind Square or anything else. When it comes to the routes, we've got uh, some really nice benefits. Namely, you get wonderful play-by-play -play that tells you when a turn's coming up and then when to turn, and then about the next turn. So you have this three-stage way of dealing with turns. On most commercial apps, they'll tell you where to turn, but they don't really prepare you for it. And when you go off-route, they don't tell you that you go off-route. And so it, it, it takes some bit of checking information and uh, so forth to use those apps. So we're, we're giving you it, the information up front and regularly that would go something like this, approaching Jones and 7th Street, or left, approaching Jones, the left street on 7th in uh, 200 feet. And then, when, and there's a sound associated with that. When I get close, then I'm going to hear this sound that's like a blinker of a car, and it's going to say, turn left on 7th Street. As soon as I turn left on 7th Street, and I'm going in a new direction, I want some reassurance that, in fact, 
I did turn at the right spot, and I hear this wonderful wave file that says, Continue straight. <laughs> and that's very comforting. Charles is tapping on your shoulder saying, Good job. Well done. And then right after that, the voiceover comes back on and says, Next turn on 6th Avenue in 329 feet. Uh, turn right. And there's also some compass directions thrown in to help you know, okay, turn right, south, things like that. Uh, so that's it. Those are the three pieces to your turns. When you want to set a turn or a, uh, set a route, I should say, you have the choice of doing it by address, put in the, with the house number, and if it's in the same city, of course, the program automatically knows that, and you just have to put it in to the, uh, the house address field. And you can use dictation. It works reasonably well, as you know. I mean, it depends on how loud it is and what you're trying to say. But uh, I often will at least try it, and I'd say 80% you know, of the time it gets it right, or you can enter it by hand. Put in that address, or you can choose a point of interest if you want to search for it that way. Once you find the target, then you have a number of choices. If there's a phone number associated with the place, it'll say call. And if you want to call ahead to make sure they're open, you can do that. Uh, next, it has vehicle route, pedestrian route, and other. And mostly, you're going to use pedestrian or vehicular. Vehicular route means that it's going to take the most efficient route to your destination, which the software determines how that should best be done. If you go to other, you can get shortest route or fastest route. So you can decide, I want the fastest or I want the shortest. You also have getting warmer, which means just set the destination and then every 15 seconds, tell me where my destination is relative to how I'm walking. If you're out in the woods or something and there are no roads, you probably want to use that. If you're on campus, you might want to use that getting warmer method. There's also a bicycle and some other things that are in there. So the whole process of using, establishing, and following routes is really the focus of, of how this app different is, differs from uh, others. And if, if you do go off route, there's a ding, and you hear the, the, the system recalculates when it dings, and then it comes back to you and gives you an updated indication of, of where your turns are. Another big uh, aspect of Sendero products has been look around. And there's two ways of looking around. One is every 15 seconds, or you can change the frequency to as low as 5 seconds, or you can increase it if you want. And that just means as you're going, when new things appear in the database that are in your environment, it'll announce them to you within a certain number of feet. So it'll announce an intersection. It'll announce a point of interest. These are the two things that look around is, is constantly scanning for every 15 seconds. And then there's a new kind of look around we have in this app that we call the look around wand. And the wand is just based on the compass in the iPhone. So when you activate the wand, which is in the upper right corner, you, you want to do that? Yeah. Okay. It's off by default. That was the sound of acquiring a GPS position. That was the sound of it going off. 
So okay, now I'll turn it on. Oh, it's automatic. It's getting the information right away. Let me see what I can find anything around here. It's a matter of if does anything pop up in the database, but it's compass based, so as you you can point around. It only works when you're not moving, because we assume that if you're if you're there it is. If you're moving, uh, your phone might be in your pocket or upside down or something, and it's not going to be facing in a useful direction. Westport, West to Mall, Seaport Village. So that's the direction he's pointing the phone. And we, it, there's probably a lot more we can do with that. It'll tell you the nearest intersection in that direction. We're still tweaking the distances, you know, how far away. You don't want it to be too far away or it's irrelevant. And let's see the, uh, shake it for the look around screen. Yeah, so that's just some of the, the information you'd be getting on that look around screen. Um, let's see. The points of interest and the different providers. We did that. Okay. Um. So um, let's go ahead and, and uh, unless you have something else you want to add, we can just open it up to questions. Mm -hmm. um, well, one thing is, uh, as Mike has already said, you know, on our route screen, to create a route pedestrian vehicle, um, one of the things where you create the route to, we have the option of home, um, and home doesn't have to be just your home. It, you can set that to be your current location. So if you're at a hotel, you set your hotel as your home, and therefore you just say create route, boom, home, you'll know that you're going straight to your hotel room. Or if you get out of your car, set that as your home, so then you know how to get back to your car. And that's not the ideal way we want to deal with uh, creating your own user points. This has been a big part of Sendero products that you're able to create user points until we have that implemented. You can do what Charles is talking about. Mm -hmm. um, or you can also go into Foursquare, add a point there, and it's going to immediately show up in this app since we're using that database. So it's not a bad way to already use uh, a, a pretty deep content list of user points. Absolutely. Should we uh, allow people maybe on, online um, to see if they want to? Um, let's see if the, this group has anybody, and then we'll unlock it. I hate to take I the know. chance of unlocking and then it doesn't go back on. <laughs> so does anybody here in the room have any questions? So the map data, is it on It's on, online. Map data is online. It's online. All right. mm -hmm. That's something we might mess with in the future. Um, you can't, the, your route is cached, so you, you can survive for a while without a data connection, but the maps themselves are online. And that's a function of the MapQuest uh, data, the MapQuest engine that we're using. I have a, I'm John DeWitt, my I hey, John. now live in Mesa. Um, and the area that I live in when I come out my front door of the apartment in look around thing. It says no data found. Yet if I go to the sidewalk, you know, 35 feet away, 100 feet away, whatever it is, it'll give me what direction and what address I'm near, etc. 
What product are you using? Oh, on the look around app. Okay. And I was curious why it doesn't find any data, you know, in the middle of the block, so to speak, as opposed to being on the sidewalk or the exterior. Um, who knows? Every every situation is unique. I don't think there's no universal rule about it doesn't work in the middle of the block. So what John's talking about here is the Sendero look around application, which was the, our first uh, foray into the the iOS world that came out with a couple years ago. And it's, it's very basic, like Ariadne GPS, and it just tells you the intersection that you're near and a few other things. But uh, if, if it doesn't pick up the data or if there, there could be a bug, it, chances are it, 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 um, it, we'd really have to be there and see if we can replicate it in a similar situation to find out why it's happening. So, Mike, online there's a couple questions. One says, uh, can someone still... Uh, participate in the pre preview, um, and uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, we're pretty much booked up, right? Uh, we are. <laughs> we we actually uh, in two days we got over three or four hundred applicants, and Apple actually restricts us only to a hundred uh, slots. So we're pretty much full up right now on that uh, for that question. The other question is, will this app work with the Google bus stops that we already have in our database? And that answer is not right out of the blocks, but it's definitely high on our wish list to incorporate our, um, not only our GTFS feeds, but also our user content as well. Good questions. Okay, and then uh, we'll, we'll see what, we'll unlock it for a second there for you guys. And uh, let's hope that this is a, a good thing. <laughs> Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. We have a question here. Um, uh, you're not taking a regular question by typing it in, so I, I take it for granted. Jerry, let the... Hi, I'd like to know if this is a fee base for the maps or if it's a one price only. I, I know you won't tell us price now, but are you going to be able to just buy the app and then have access to the maps, or are you going to have to have like a subscription to get them every month? We were hoping to have both options. We don't have a monthly option. It's going to be purchase one time. Uh, what we haven't finally decided, the, the map are three years. And we'll um, Mike, on the Garmin GPS that I hear on your uh, email uh, GPS list, uh, is, is that Garmin work better to have that particular GPS receiver? And for the iPhone, it'll work better? than using the data off the uh, phone itself. And um, while you later incorporate the map onto the phone as well, like the Navigon? Okay, let's get Mike to get, give the answer to that question. See if we can everybody back away so we can get through. Okay, yeah, thank you. So the answer is uh, we might have maps locally at some point, but uh, that's not on the, the top priorities right now. And you want to answer the other question, Chuck? Uh, the other question, oh, yes. Um, definitely an external receiver will be a more accurate than the internal iPhone's receiver. 
so we're actually doing the Garmin, uh, what's it called, the Glow Nat? The, Gar the Garmin Glow, G-L-O, and we're, we're testing that. We don't know how much better it is, but uh, the built-in receiver in the iPhone is okay if you're in the open, but something like this Garmin Glow will be better in marginal situations up against buildings, on the edge of buildings indoors and canyons. It does pick up the GLONASS satellites as well as GPS, so that's 24 satellites additional. It gives you a lot better shot at coverage, and hopefully it, it saves some battery life by using a, an external receiver. We, we have a couple of um, text questions that were written in. Um, you want to, would you like to go ahead and take those now? Sure. Uh, we answered a couple of them, but do we have some more, yeah, Charles? Go ahead. Yeah, there's some more. Uh, let me see. Um, most of them. Sorry, well, what, was, what is the cost? Is it going to be a subscription-based? Yeah, we've we got, got the, the cost question answered. I think um, Is there anything else? Did you answer the one about uh, can anyone still get in on the pre-testing? Yes, he did. Are there any other questions from the audience? Please hold the control key down and ask your question. Hi, my question was being answered, but it was broken up. I just want to confirm, is it going to be a one-fee-based thing, or will you at some points be charged a subscription for maps to use the app? Right now, it will be one fee for one year, for either a year or three years. Uh, there's no subscription at this point. There might be uh, that option in the future. Uh, Scott Edwards. Additional question on that, Mike uh, or Charles. Can... Can it be ordered through you guys instead of going to the iTunes store or going to the app because uh, government purchase that could create a problem and it's better to go directly to the uh, seller rather than the iTunes store? There's not an option for manufacturers to circumvent Apple, not an easy one. So uh, the answer is they'll have to go to the app store and in the end it's a, an easier way to get it delivered. And uh, Apple does the, the billing, and, you know, it's all, it's all handled that way. So that's, that will be your only option at this point. And Do you have a target release date for the Seeing Eye GPS in its full-blown form? Our target release date was last August. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Is there any plan to work with the virtual mode with this app? You know, that is a popular question in these groups here, and uh, we didn't really think it would be as uh, prominent, but um, it's certainly on the, uh, you know, on the possibilities. We can do that. There's a lot of stuff. That's why we have this priority list, because we, if, if we move one thing up, we've got to move something else down, and that's a, a tricky thing to do. And it, but it's based on user feedback, so if enough people clamor for something, we shift those priorities. We do remind people that if you have... Sendero uh, PC Maps, a uh, fairly inexpensive way to have it on your PC. Do your exploration there, figure things out, and then use your mobile device to go out and about. Hey, uh, Mike, is, um, I may have missed this part, but um, are, is there going to be a way to import the uh, GTFS uh, feeds into, um, you know, into the program, the Google Transit data? Um, we hope that we can add the GTSF uh, data and probably some other sources as well. We don't have that right now, but that's part of our other products. And as soon as we have the mechanism set up for user points and, and adding other content, we will do it. We, we know that mechanism well, and we think it's important to have the transit feed. And we had a question in the room here about the price. 
Uh, we haven't settled on it exactly. It depends on a couple of things, but it'll probably be, you know, in the hundred dollar, maybe a bit more, uh, not much less. Hey, my name is Terez, and I had a question about uh, Google API. Google has just launched the Map API. Will you guys be adding that Google API to your product? Because Google has just launched uh, Google Maps API on iOS a couple weeks ago. Um, it's possible. We've we've looked at Google. Uh, I know that BlindSquare uses them, and uh, you know there's been different formats of it. There's some rules about how Google data is used. Uh, it's not clear that everybody respects those rules, but um, if, if you look at their license agreements, uh, it, they do restrict you in some fashion. Sometimes it's to the number of lookups that take place. So they, you know, they, they're, um, I think they're concerned about people getting paid for data that they provide for free, and uh, they have some, some things that deal with that. So the answer is um, it's possible. We'd like to get as many data sources as we can, as many map sources, and we'll add those in the future as we're able. Uh, Mike, uh, how do you uh, find out more information about Blind Square? I know you've mentioned that several times. Uh, I'll take Terry's question and then we'll come back to Blind Square. Go ahead. Could you comment on how one, what the procedures are to change from one POI database to another? Right now the procedure for changing from one POI database to another is you go into settings and you pick Foursquare or Navtech or OSM. That's the only time I find myself going into settings frequently. So I'm, I'm of the mind that we should move that out of there and put it right in the POI selection field, like, like right where you have categories, so that you can change more quickly. It's not a big deal to get into settings. That button is on the screen at any point, so you can easily toggle between settings and POIs. What I'd really like to have is that if I do a search in Foursquare and it doesn't find it, that it prompts me and says, do you want me to look in Navtech? And I say yes. So it looks in the alternative source if it doesn't find it in your primary source. That probably won't be in the first release, though, correct? Uh, probably not, but soon. I think, I think it's important to be able to yeah. take advantage of this benefit that we have. What was the other question online? Um, about the GTF. Oh, no, Blind Square, right? Yeah. Blind Square, um, you, you need Foursquare to take full advantage of it. And it's, what, $14.99, I think. And um, it's, it's got a, a nice voice, an additional voice that, that uh, can prompt you for points of interest that you're passing and intersections. It has uh, a getting warmer kind of mode. They call it tracking. They have my places for user points of interest. It's just a really nice presentation of this, a lot of the kinds of things we're talking about. What it doesn't have is turn-by-turn -turn routing. Otherwise, uh, it's got a lot of good stuff in there, and um, we've certainly used that and Ariadne GPS and others around me, many, many different applications as we've figured out what we wanted to prioritize and put in our app. So, Mike, there was a few other questions. Uh, I guess you, you were cut off when you answered the cost. How much is going to cost? You were cut off. It's funny how I keep getting cut off when it's talking about car. For, there's still a few things outstanding to figure out um, what, you know, what that's exactly going to be. But the nearby Explorer that APH came out with for Android, <coughs> Terry, kind of <laughs> set us up for a $99 uh, price point. Way to go, Terry. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Terry. <laughs> yes. um, and then there was another question um, about what do you expect from testers? 
Ah, what do we expect from testers? Be really quiet. <laughs> um, now, truthfully, what we want to do is um, we're going to send out a known bug list so you don't have to be reporting things that we're already aware of. But there are going to be some bugs that we can't replicate. You know, something crashes mysteriously, you know, things like that, that if anybody can find a way to repeat that bug, then we can fix it. As soon as you can repeat it, you can fix it. So um, we'll probably set up a list so that testers can share information and hear what the other testers are saying. Uh, the test flight does have a mechanism for submitting feedback, which we've already been getting from users. We see it, the other users don't, so we think users might want to learn from each other as they play with the. And it would also be helpful if people uh, give us some sort of level of priority of their own. We, we use the P1, 2, 3 scale. So if you think something's a P1, then go ahead and say so. If you think it can wait, P2, it's not a showstopper, uh, you can designate it that way as well. Um, another question online is, uh, how does the Glow connect to your iPhone? The Glow is a Bluetooth receiver. Uh, we have tried to connect it, by the way, with the BrailleSense and the BrailleNote products, and it's possible, but um, it, it, it's not for the, the simple user. Um, so we're not recommending that, and certainly not switching to that receiver. But for the iPhone, it, it's just a Bluetooth device that shows up. It's in the approved Apple list. Therefore, it just works uh, instantly. Two more questions on uh, UK issues. Uh, for UK testers, how can they test the app, and uh, do you support European maps at launch time? So UK, we've, we've been working on that for some time. Charles and I spent a very snowy Saturday in London walking around with uh, various uh, local users with the iPhone and with our other technology, and, and we learned a lot. Uh, the MapQuest engine is not cooperating well with UK address sequences uh, or lack thereof. Um, US sequences tend to be somewhat consistent. One side of the street has even, one has odd. They go from 1 to 100, 100 to 200. The UK addresses, they'll go 1 to 15, and then 19 to 27, you know, 800 to 700. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy, and so we know that other apps are dealing with this in some fashion. We just have to figure out how to better handle it, and uh, that's going to take us another month or two of research. So the, the UK testers should stand by until we can address that and get them some proper data. Any more questions in here in the suite? Yeah, every, every, any keyboard that pops up has the standard dictation button that's sitting there. Yeah. We certainly could, in the future, do some more with voice recognition. We've, we've got a, a company that we've been talking to over several years who's developed their, what they think is really good voice recognition software that would work well with our, our stuff. And we, we haven't really looked at it closely enough, but we're interested. And the fact is, with the, a touchscreen interface, the less you have to touch it, the better. But voice recognition has its own drawbacks, so we, we have to be careful, particularly in a noisy environment, to, to come up with the right solution. Okay.
vibration? Uh, very little vibration. We, we might put more in. In some of the early versions, we felt like the vibration was cutting off the speech, <coughs> like there was some sort of conflict with resources. Uh, that might come back in. I personally like vibrations to give me confirmation. Right now, we just have sounds. Well, this what what he just asked kind of ties into yeah. the braille display because you're not getting these little clues as to what the the activity is. So um, there are different workarounds for that. Perhaps having a, a two-letter abbreviation for what the event is. This is what happens when you use the sense navigation products for their look-around event. If it's let's say it's nearby intersection, it'll say LX for look-around intersection, LA for look-around address. It does take up a couple of characters on the display, so that's the trade-off you have to deal with. You're asking if Siri can come through data. So you can use the dictation button, and that's Siri that's going to be acting when you when you plug that in. But you couldn't say Siri uh, go to Siri, take me home. Right. No, no, Siri does not work yet with third-party applications. So that's something we might expect in a future release of, of Apple software. Um, I'd mention a, a couple of accessories of, of note uh, because GPS takes so much battery. Uh, I'm a big fan of having always having a battery backup. There's many models out there. Uh, I happen to like one, the one and only that has speech. And so it says, battery is full, battery is full at the moment. Uh, if you plug it in, it says battery bank charging. Uh, you know, how many times you plug something in, it turns out it wasn't in tight enough or the wall switch was off. Um, it's got cables built in for the iPhone, iPhone 4 um, models, a 30-pin connector, not, not the lightning connector. But it's got a port where you can plug your lightning connector in. It has a micro USB. You can charge a headphone and a phone all at the same time. And uh, these, there's two models, uh, a larger one that's 6,000 milliamps four times or more uh, iPhone charges in the 3,000. These are called the Summit and the Peak. Those are the model numbers. The company is called MyCharge. And this model, uh, told to me by the president, is being discontinued as they release their 2013 models. So if you have any interest in a battery backup that talks, buy it now because they're, they're going away. And we've been talking about it, and we're going to probably see someone's going to buy out their supply is my guess. You can also go by the Sendero booth if you haven't already and put your name in for a drawing and you can win, that's one thing. Um, or the Aftershocks headphones, which are the, one of the few models of headphones that don't cover your ears. They're bone conduction. They sit in front of your ears. They go plenty loud and they, of course, work with your phone um, or, your, or other devices as well, other Bluetooth devices that support Bluetooth 2.1. My charge, summit and peak. Can you reverse a route? You cannot yet reverse a route. I mean, you can turn around and walk the other way, but we don't. We're not going to give you. Um, we're not going to automatically reverse the data. Uh, what headphones are these? These are the aftershocks, after 
capital S-H-O-K-Z, aftershock. And the, these are the blues, the B-L-U-E-Z. They have a wired model, which has the benefit of longer battery life, 12 hours versus 6 hours for the blues. I have some here. Uh, I can pass around. Here you go. Um, they sort of look like a pair of glasses backwards. So the, the hooks uh, are what go over your ears, and they sit in front of your ear. And then the band sits behind your neck, and that's where the on-off switch is. There's a button on, on the end of either next to your ear. One is for answering and making calls, and the other one is for pausing and playing music. You tried the M2 series. Of? Of headphones? I don't know about the M2. Uh, any more questions? We're just about to the end of our hour. Um, Mike, uh, I used that uh, blind square in Romania and in Munich, Germany. It worked all over the world. And 99.99. Okay, let's see if anybody else has questions uh, before Mike has to go here and his people. And we thank Sendero so much for all of this. Um, any other questions, please? Hi guys, there's Kevin from London. Um, I missed the, the most of the presentation, so forgive me if this has been covered, but can you set um, user points of interest uh, based on location? So for example, if I walk to an address, can I set that as a, as a point of interest? The only way currently to set a user point is to do it in Foursquare, and since we use Foursquare data, then it'll show up. But we don't have an independent way yet. It's a high priority, though, to add in the future. Thank you. Hey, I have a question. How much are the Aftershock headphones? I was wondering about the pricing on them. Thank you. The Aftershock Blues are 119 The The wired version, I, I think, are considerably less, 69 79 something like that. Somebody asked about the quality, and it's, it's quite good. Bluetooth isn't really meant for high fidelity, so they're not going to match a, a nice pair of Sennheisers or um, AKG or other... Or other kinds of units, but uh, it's quite good. It's, it's de definitely very listenable, and you do get stereo, so it's, uh, it's a good headset. Uh, Mike, with the, uh, the Foursquare data, uh, you have to sign up for the Foursquare service in order to set your POIs, correct? Yeah, to get into Foursquare at all, you have to sign up with them to, to get their feedback, so there's not much point in having BlindSquare if you don't have Foursquare. Gotcha. Okay, any final questions here? Okay. Any others? Finally, going, going, gone here. Uh, somebody asked to repeat the name of the talking battery. That's called MyCharge, M-Y-C-H-A-R-G-E, and that's the Summit or Peak models, as those go with the different sizes, and I forget which one goes with which. You go to MyCharge.com and order it. I think you can get them on Amazon. The Aftershocks, by the way, you can just only get them from Aftershocks right now. They will be on Amazon eventually, but uh, they've just been out literally a, a week. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off. Thanks to everybody uh, on the chat and to Bob for hosting the service. And thanks to everybody here in the room for your questions and um, coming along to check out the CNI GPS.